The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. So we actually focus only on smallholder farmers. So we don't really care about the big farmer. He's already big. He can do his thing. But our focus is on the smallholder farmers who have a challenge actually getting noticed and getting their commodities out there. So they are our primary focus. And then we are working in the three northern regions, the northern region, upper east, and then the upper west region. So those are the places where our focus is on. My guest today is Michael Okanse. He's the co-founder of AgroCenter. AgroCenter helps farmers to distribute their product in Ghana. I was introduced to Michael by a mutual friend who says that I need to interview Michael because he's doing amazing stuff with AgroCenter, enabling farmers, educating farmers to be able to sell their products to big companies. If anybody is solving distribution in the agri sector, they are solving massive problem in Africa. It's a pleasure to have Michael on the show today. Michael, welcome to Building the Future. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So let's start with you. What led you to, what you, because you are a technical person, right? Yes. So what led you to what you're doing now? That is AgroCenter. AgroCenter. It's an interesting question. So my co-founder and myself, that is Francis, who I think you've met, we had this startup, Swapaholics. Now, Swapaholics was all about butter trade. So that didn't go too well. We said, okay, hmm, how can we pivot this to something related to agriculture. What was the problem that you were solving through that? We were trying to let people who didn't have enough cash be able to swap something they already had for something that they wanted. So if I have an iPhone 5, I need an iPhone 6. I don't have money to buy a brand new iPhone 6, but I have an iPhone 5. So why don't I just add a little bit of cash to my iPhone 5 and then give it to someone who is ready to give away his iPhone 6? How do you want to do that? On your platform, you're creating a trust platform where people can exchange and be able to know that the other person is not going to take my iPhone 5 and run away and yeah. not give me money. So you actually meet the person physically and then... You meet the person physically. So your, your, your platform is just introducing them yeah, together. Yeah, just introduce them. What was the problem you faced with? I have, I have my opinion why yeah. that will be a challenge in Africa. What was the problem that you faced with that? So for something like that, we needed a huge marketing budget because people had to hear about the product. So an existing product that was into classified, um, Tonaton, came in and they did a huge marketing campaign. But they were not doing exchange. They were not doing exchange. So so I don't think the problem then was marketing then. I think the problem, my own opinion, again, maybe data might prove me wrong, is that the culture in Africa does not allow that kind of stuff. You, you need to have built on, on, on many trust layers like payment, distribution, and um, meeting strangers online to do business with them before people can get to the stage of can, can exchange even advancing economy where there where um, there has been lots of history of uh, e-commerce swapping goods is still a hard thing to crack but surprisingly here swapping is done every day so like we have this place downtown it's called tiptoe lane the entire lane is full of swapping Okay, so it is a cultural thing here in, in Ghana where you go to a place, you take your something you, something have. you have in exchange for something and just put. Yeah. But then the people that are buying it from you are traders rather than pair to pair. What you're trying to yeah. do is pair to pair. Yeah. Right. So I can go to uh, to a trader mm-hmm. and say, okay, I don't have money to buy iPhone 6, but I've got iPhone 5 yeah. and I'm going to give you 100 CDs right. plus my iPhone 5 to get my iPhone 6. And a trader can I take that and then um, maybe work on it and sell it or trade it again to somebody else on iPhone. True. That was have before, so there's yeah. an arbitrage. Yeah. But what you're trying to do is pair to pair. Yeah. And I think there may be a challenge to that. 
Probably, but then also mostly on campuses among university students, they do a lot of that also. And again, probably they know themselves, so that is really not a problem. But but surprisingly on Tonaton, we actually saw a lot of people posting things for swap. So they kind of wanted a place they could swap, but then they had not heard of Superholic. So they were posting things they wanted to swap on a platform that was strictly for buy and sell. So maybe it wasn't like, maybe, I might be wrong, maybe the data will move over and then the culture will change. Some of the things that doesn't oh, make yeah. sense. Maybe the market wasn't ready for it. But then you move from that. So how did you pivot from <laughs> swap to helping farmers? Yes. So the initial idea was, how can we take this butter trade culture into agriculture? So we paid a visit to the northern region of Ghana. That is where a lot of the farming happens in the country. So when we got there, we stayed for about a week. We interviewed farmers about their problems. And at the end of the trip, we realized that what they needed was really bigger than what we had in mind. So that is how Come Swapaholics was born. They had a huge problem of getting rid of stock of commodities they had, even from their previous harvest season. So we had to do something about this. So that is how come we gave birth to AgroCenter. And, and then you started this when? We started the initial groundwork 2016, December. So that is when we visited the North and did all the studies. But then actual business began about eight months ago. So eight months ago. So you did all the research, you got out of the farmers, and then you then say, okay, we're going to help you sell this product. And you got an inventory. And then you went to people that needed this inventory. So what was the major problem you're solving? So I was asking you this um, before we came online, that is it, a good, is it a big problem for farmers to be selling their product? Because I, I assume that the major problem the farmer had is um, logistics and people paying a fair price for, for their product rather than being able to sell it in, in the first place because there are people that need food. So what is the major problem that you're solving here? Okay, one of the major problems is actually farmers being able to sell their commodities. So we realized that, yes, people need the commodities, but somehow there's so many commodities that don't get sold. So probably... Those who buy commodities don't consume in, in large quantities that probably the farmers produce. So you still have a lot of commodities left for a long time. Is it because it's in the small farmer, like you mentioned, uh, when we we're talking that some farmers get the products sold quickly because they have access to the big companies that want to buy? large amount of stuff and then let's say I'm, I'm producing maybe beer or something like that and I need wheat or I need sorghum I wouldn't want to be wasting my time with a farmer that's got two or three hectares of land and I can produce something that's not a lot I would want to go to farmers that has hundreds and hundreds of acres of land that can give me stuff quickly and, and, and in large quantity so small scale farmers will not be able to sell at a good price actually or even sell at all. So is your platform then directly looking into that? So we actually focus only on smallholder farmers. So we don't really care about the big farmer. He's already big. He can do his thing. But our focus is on the smallholder farmers who have a challenge actually getting noticed and getting their commodities out there. So they are primary focus. And then we are working in the three northern regions, the northern region, upper east, and then the upper west region. So those are the places where our focus is on. So you, you then aggregate those farmers and then give them bigger selling power and then go to uh, companies that need those products and say, we've got 
hundreds and thousands of these commodities do you want to buy? So, so they don't care about whether they're coming from one small farm or the other. So you, you aggregate the farmers. So who are your major customers at the moment? We have one big customer who is a brewery. Okay. I might not have to mention the name. So it's a brewery. They why, why can't you mention the name? Uh, in our in your agreement, agreement they cannot, uh, you cannot tell people that they're yes. buying from you. Okay. So it's, it's a brewery. It's a very big and they consume a lot, a lot, a lot of um, sorghum and then maize. So those are one of our big clients. And then we have... And in the past, this brewery would have gone to big farm and big farmers and, and try to buy from them. In the past, they would import. They oh, would so import. normally they were importing. Yes. Oh, that's so you saw you, you're actually helping not just the small farmer, you're helping the economy in a way that exactly. this product, this commodity would have been bought from, from where? I honestly don't know from where, but just a few months we have been in operation, we actually realized that our farmers couldn't meet the demand of the brewery. Yes. Wow. So that is how huge their demand is. So, so does that mean you have to go and get more farmers? You have to sign up more farmers. So this small which is a good business to be in. More <laughs> demand than supply. Exactly. So you're just going and you, your job is just to be going to the northern region and be getting farmers and say, hey, can you produce X amount of maize? Can you produce X amount of sorghum? And because I've got market ready for it and you negotiate a price with them. So the, the problem with the shortage was actually with sorghum. Now, the problem in the north is they have two types of sorghum. They have the cream one and then they have the red one. Now the brewery uses the cream one, but then the north was planting the red one. So they had all this red sorghum that nobody really wanted to buy anyway. And nobody then, want to buy it. Yes. So why are they planting it? No idea. <laughs> it's just cultural. Yes. Culture. So they, they must be selling it to some people in the past because you cannot be having an harvest that nobody is buying well, every year. They use that. Mostly the mindset of these farmers is, okay, let me just grow a little for my family and then I'll sell maybe the surplus. Ah, okay. So there was, there were, there were sustenance farmers. Okay, I'm less, just going to... Yeah. Because my local women use this, my wife will use this, and they can sell some in the market. And if I have a little left, I will try and sell them. How did you manage to change that? Yes. So what we are actually doing from this major planting season is we are cultivating our own sorghum. Oh, you're going directly and becoming a farmer as well? So we are actually contracting farmers. So this is more like job creation for farmers who okay. otherwise would have maybe be wondering what do we produce. So we've contracted 1,000 farmers, 1,000 acres, and we are going to produce, uh, provide them with seeds, fertilizers, and uh, tractor services for them to cultivate strictly 1,000 acres of sorghum to meet the demand. That, That's interesting. Uh, yes. So who owns the land? The farmers own the land. The farmer owns the land. Is the farm, but you're telling them that on these hectares of land, you plant this. We give you seed to plant this. We give you all the resources that you need to make it work. And when you've planted it will come and collect and it. buy it from you. That, is, that sounds like, a, I mean, in theory, I mean, I know you have some challenges as well, but in theory, it sounds really interesting. Because the farmer, all he wants is an assurance that once I sweat, this thing has to be purchased. So once he has that assurance, they are, they are okay with anything you tell them to plant. So for us, it's strictly sorghum contract. So have you started that? We've bought the seeds. We've bought some fertilizers. We are in the phase of doing the land preparation with the tractor services. So that's why Francis is actually up north now. Mm -hmm. By 20th of June, we should have been done with the distribution of the seeds for them to start planting. How many farmers are you working with? 1,000. 1,000 farmers. This is good with technology, right? So yeah. the biggest hotel in the world doesn't have any hotel. The biggest media company, Facebook, does not produce content. The biggest taxi company in the world, Uber, 
does now. So you're going to be one of the biggest farmer in, in, in Ghana. I don't have any farm. <laughs> and you just called in because you are able to to crack the distribution and, and, and the demand and supply stuff. So how many acres of farms are you going to have? So this for, for this pilot, we are, we are doing just 1,000 acres. So each farmer has uh, yeah, one, one acre? one acre. Why do you have to go with just farmer having one acre? Yes, um, we want them to be focused and have enough time for the farm because we, we want the best yield for each acre because the the requirements we have from the brewery are very strict. So the quality of the sorghum has to be such that it's, it has, it's going to be consumed by you and I in our beer or in our soft drinks. So the quality has to be met. So we just want a farmer to be able to focus and then make sure that he has enough time, is following the right agric practices to be able to have the best yield for for each acre. And is there a guarantee from this beauty company to buy? Yes, there's guarantee. So they sign. They, they sign that. Yeah. Okay, when you produce a thousand, how many yield are you expecting each, so to each, get? each acre is supposed to yield about three, 30 bags of sorghum. So 30, so 100 kilogram bags of sorghum. So 30 bags of sorghum times 1,000. That's 30,000 bags of sorghum that you are expecting to eat. So that's going to be 60,000. So we, we, we send it to the brewery in 50 kilogram pack, bags. Um, sacks, sorry. So okay. each bag on the farm is 100 kilograms. So okay. divided by two. So it's more like 60. Yeah, but okay, bags 60 bags per acre. Okay, 60 bags per acre. And times 1,000, 60,000 yeah. bags. So let's talk about the economics. So let's start with how much do you then buy that from the farmers? Because people want to learn about this, uh, the economics of this, <laughs> of this business. How profitable can it be? Because somebody yeah. else might want to mm. be able to do that. And yeah. not necessarily copy you. Oh, well. But then it's the other so learn, okay, there might, there might be a challenge for somebody in Zimbabwe, in Uganda or, or Syria alone, and they can see that and to solve that kind of problem. Assuming that you're not trying to just go to those countries immediately as well. <laughs> but let's talk about the economics a bit. Yes. Um, you don't have to give too much away. So how much do you have to buy that from the farmers? So approximately we would have to buy from the farmers at about, let's say, one city per kilo. So for 60 kilo, which is the bag, that's 60 cities. And how much do you sell it to the company? Probably for now, 64. Oh, that's that's not a big margin. Yes, yeah, not a big margin. It's not a Why big margin that? because we, we are trying to not just let the farmers sell their commodities, but also to help them to have more money. Yeah, I understand that. Um, you're buying, okay, so you're optimizing to to. to, to Give more money to the farmers. Yeah, so we actually buy from the farmer at the premium. So the the normal middleman will buy it, who bully the guy to buy for less. But we appreciate the fact that hey, we are not just in this for profit. We have impact aspect to this where we want the farmer to be able to take care of his family. Yeah, but, but how much do you would you spend to make it work? So the seed, the tractor services, the advisory. I'm just yeah. looking at your overhead yeah. to make. So all of that is deducted. So if you produce, let's say, um, 60 bags. Now we would cost the services that we provided. So that will be maybe 10 bags. So 10 bags will be you paying for the cost of the services we provided and then we buy from you 50 bags. Okay, so you would have factored in your services before. So you make four CDs per bags. And that is because with these aggregation things, the prices vary. So you can have a season where prices will just drop. So you might make a higher margin. Seasons where demand will be so high that prices will be squeezed. So it's it's up and down. But then for sorghum, because we are planting it ourselves, it's quite guaranteed. But then for the other commodities like maize and soya beans, we are at the mercy of the market. 
So what happened when the price fall? You bought it from farmer for 60 CDs and then the market is saying that it's 50, 55 CDs. Well, that is if the market even has the sorghum because the reason we are planting is because the market actually didn't have sorghum. So um, let's use the example of probably maize. So if the prices drop, then we make a higher margin on that. Yes, but then if the prices are high, we make a small margin. So it's ups and downs. So I was wondering though whether, <laughs> I'm just looking at the margin. If you buy a 60 CDs from the farmer, that, that's that's a premium, right? Yeah. So farmers would normally sell it for less. Yes. So because they close marketplace, so mm. okay, normally the middleman will buy from the farmers for 50 CDs Probably. or whatever. You're saying, we're going to guarantee, we're going to buy this from you for 60 CDs. So why don't you sell it for more? If the market doesn't have sorghum, why right. can't you go to uh, the brewery and say, we're going to sell it for you for 75, uh, 80 or 90 mm, CDs? Yeah. So the breweries have a fixed price. So the brewery actually takes price. So they have for each year the standard price that they work with for the year. Now, this price factors in market fluctuations as well. So so is that a price that determines how much you're going to buy from the farmers? Yes. Okay, so builders fix the price. They said, this is the price we're going to buy this from you. And then you go to the farmer and try to take your own cut from that and say, we're going to buy from you at this price. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Because I was thinking that you buy from the farmers. You are like you are like the one selling this product, but you're just paying the farmers for, the, for, for sweating and do, making it work. And then you then go and sell it. Okay, let's move on to the difficulty and the challenges of aggregating these farmers. How are you able to convince them to work with you? So we have what we call the, we, we work with what we call the agent network. So on AgroCenter, we have about um, 30 agents in three regions. So each region has about 10 agents. Now, these agents are actually people who live in the communities with the farmers. Some are farmers themselves. So these agents are the ones responsible for going in to register farmers, talk to them about AgroCenter, and then get their stock levels of the commodities. So what we do as AgroCenter is do a community entry. We come, tell them where we are, who we are, what we do, why we are there. And then you from go that to the point, community and try to get a farmer's union or farmer's cooperatives yeah. and say this is what we're doing this is how we can help you and then you and then appoint we, agents we appoint agents from the community from, from the community yeah. pay them Yes, we pay them. You pay them a fixed amount of money? So they have a fixed transportation cost or um, allowance, let me put it that way. And then for each farmer that they register, we pay them. For each market price that they collect, we pay them um, a commission on that. And these are local people who yeah. might be doing other jobs yes. as well. And I think I like that model where you're empowering people in the community because people trust so you know this exactly. person, yeah. probably your children go to the same school. You attend the same mosque or church and it's easier for them to sell agrocenter to the, to the to farmers. The farmers yeah. And then there's a trust and a feedback mechanism rather than you coming with your big yeah. jacket from Accra. <laughs> that makes sense. So uh, how many communities have you been working with now? So four regions, 15 communities. 15 communities. So I'm looking at your at your website, I'm looking at all the services that you provide, AgroTrade, Trucker, AgroInfo, and AgroPay. What, what is that all about? So AgroTrade is what we've been talking about all this while. That is the um, helping farmers to sell their commodities. Now, once the commodities are purchased, they need to get to the client, that is the brewery or anyone else who is buying. So we've partnered with um, GPRTU. GPRTU is Ghana Private Road Transport Union. So they own mostly all the public vehicles we have around. And they have a lot of trucks in almost every region. 
right? So we have partnered with them. So anytime there is a need to transport anything that is agri-related, we know which tracks to make available. So Tracker is actually a third-party service that anyone who is into agriculture can, it's like Uber for tracks, more or less. So anyone... You, 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 and you partner with the... With the private transport union. GPRTU. GPRTU. You, you partner with them so and provide almost like a Uber for, for truck. Tracks, for, yeah. So if farmers needed on-demand logistics, yeah, they just... Request for it. But it's mostly things agri-related. It's always agri-related. Um, so, and that also helps with your agro-trade. That helps, as so, with agro-trade. And then anyone else who... So the brewery we work for actually has other aggregators it works with, but then they want to use Tracker for those other aggregators as well because it's reliable. What about AgroInfo? AgroInfo is basically just um, providing farmers with reliable information via IVR. So What's IVR? Interactive voice. So that's like, instead of text messages, mm-hmm. they, they get it by voice in their local languages. Yeah. So that is AgroInfo. What, what sort of info do you give them? Weather? So services? weather information, um, tips on. So for every farmer that we profile, we know the commodities that they grow. So we can provide you with information about, there was recently an armyworm invasion. So we can provide you information about, okay, how to prevent armyworms from attacking your maize farm, for example. Yeah, so tips like that. And, and then, it works on their phone or radio? Or no, their phone. Their phone. Yeah. Okay, so phone. each farmer has a phone, yeah. feature phones. As feature a, phones. And then you can, they can then click something and they can get yeah. something. We just call a short code or we push to you, yeah. Oh, and then it should be in their language. In their language, yeah. Who pays for this? So it's designed such that third parties who want to send this information out can subscribe and then do that. And then for that, for now, the ones that we do, it's just free from, from our end. But it's designed such that it can be subscribed for and then used by third parties. So what about AgroPay? So AgroPay basically is our way of trying to help farmers to be able to access credit from financial institutions. Because a lot of this is cash-driven. A lot of these agricultural purchases are cash driven. It's difficult for a bank to say, hey, this farmer has handled this amount of cash before. There's no proof. So with AgroPay, we would have like a track record of payments we make to farmers on a regular basis. And this will serve as a way for financial institutions to see that, okay, this farmer has actually handled this amount of cash through AgroCenter. So if he needs a loan, there is guarantee that yes, he can pay because this is how many commodities he provides constantly to AgroCenter and they pay him this much on a regular basis. So it's providing visibility to transactions that farmers are currently doing. Yeah. So it's in the best interest of farmers to be, to be trading and, and, and transacting via AgroPay yes. so that they can have access to credit. To credit yes. But the question is still, how would they get access to their money? So, so do they have banks that they have to go to or is it mobile money? Because what farmers need is just the one that liquidity and, and easy access to that cash. So for now, it's through mobile money. But then instead of just paying them through mobile money, we have sort of added one extra layer where there is a transactional history to that payment. So since AgroCenter is, let me say, a credible institution, now a bank would say, okay, fine. If AgroCenter says it's paid these farmers through its platform, then it must be true. So the, the, the banks now are able to see that, okay, this farmer who says he needs this loan has actually transacted with AgroCenter, even though the payment was via mobile money 
money. There's records to show that there was actually some payments to this guy. But the idea is to eventually partner with a financial institution so they can now open up um, bank accounts for these farmers. So it's now the challenge is to any bank that is willing to go into those rural communities to go and set up these uh, these banks. But, but you can give them access to them and they can become banks even though they don't have a, even though the banks don't have branch in, in those rural communities. So the bankers can have access to financial services. Yeah. That's what AgroPay is trying to do. So let's talk about the business generally. So AgroCenter, are you profitable? For now, no. But over the next few years, I would say yes. We, we started when it was the lean season. So the reason why we actually actually started going into our planting project is one because we don't want to be at the mercy of the market and also because of the shortage of the commodity. So we started when it was in the lean season, prices were really high. So unfortunately, we couldn't um, make any profit you, for our first few supplies. So you, have you raised money? Yes, we've raised money. How much have you raised in total? For now, we've raised just 100K. 100K dollars. dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is it true local investors, international investors or? It's true local investor. So are you looking at raising more money? Yes, we're looking at raising more money. We're actually doing some fundraising right now and then eventually at the end of the year to raise more. Who are your competition? The AgroCenter platform from end to end, we haven't really seen the exact thing being replicated, but then bits and pieces of it have arms in other companies. So we wouldn't really call them competition. Uh, there's Isoko that's also into agri. There's Pharma Line that is also into agri. But then what they do is practically a bit different from, from what we do. They don't really help farmers to sell their commodities. More there's less, always yeah. a lot of noise about um, agricultural sector from most African government. It's one of the key priorities because it's the easy assets that we've got and it's the easy service that we could actually leverage on, that every, everyone can leverage on. So are you getting support from the government? At the moment, I would say no, but we are open to support from the government. Um, what One thing we really want to see happen is for the farmers really desire that they won't just plant once in a year. Now, for that to be able to happen, there has to be irrigation systems in place, which at the moment don't exist in a lot of the places. So one thing we would want to see happen is for government to put certain structures in place. I think once those structures are put in place, we would really be able to help farmers in better ways. Yes. The government should help in any way they can. It's it's there's so something that I've been So how is technology helping you to do the business better? Your background is tech. So the tracker bit I talked about that also is purely tech. So anyone who wants the track services can request saying, okay, I have this thing I want to transport. This is the location I'm starting from. This is the location I'm taking it to. Then we will give you an estimated fare. When the track is being loaded, you would know. When the track is in transit, you would know everywhere it's rich. So you'll be able to track till it gets to your doorstep. Now, all that is technology. Now, with the aggregation of farmers, our agents actually use um, mobile devices on the farms, on the field, to be able to collect the farmer data. So all that is done on our platform. And then the order placement for commodities, all that is also done on the platform. You can track the state of the commodity. So if you say you want to buy, um, let's say, 500 bags of maize, now when the maize is being purchased, you would know. When it's been rebagged, you would know. When it's been loaded, onto the track you would know I said the beauty company can track all of exactly, that yeah. which they don't have access to in before so there's a big opportunity here I'm also saying that there's a big opportunity for even companies that needed the technology and the energy to kind of partner almost even acquire you to do that so that leads me to the, to the question about how do you see the future play out in this sector 
There's a lot of noise about agri these days, which is good. A lot of companies are being formed around agriculture. I think with the kind of energy that the youth is exhibiting, the future is bright. Especially for us, we have a five-year roadmap of where we want to see ourselves. And with the right things in place, it's, it's going to really help the agriculture sector and help a lot of farmers, especially with education to help them improve their yields, more or less. Yeah. So I'm going to end this uh, podcast with a series of uh, about four questions and they are short questions that I need quick response to um, a fire round question. So are you ready for that? Yeah. So what is your biggest business pain point at the moment? Access to quick finance. Quick finance for the farmers or for, no, your, for, for you to raise money? Yeah. So capital, so you need to so raising money in order for to you to do what you just said you're going to do. So that's, that's your biggest pain point at the moment. What is your number one growth metric? What is that metric that you're looking at in your business to indicate that it is growth? To be able to get more farmers on board to expand the yield. So the number of farmers on, on your on your platform is a growth metric or the yield. The no, yield. No, you don't have the yield now because that's next season, right? Yeah. So for now, your growth metric is the number of farmers that you're able to sign up. Which book are you reading at the moment? Okay, so I'm reading a book on React Native. Yes, so that is the current book I'm reading. What is it about? React Native is um, this mobile framework that Facebook came up with to help you write uh, mobile applications. So it's more for people who are skewed towards web development to be able to write mobile applications. So it's, it's different from Swift that uh, yeah. Apple released yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, it's different from Swift. And is this simpler to... For somebody with web developing experience, yes. It's simpler to what use React Native. What is it based on Objective-C or... See, uh, no, it's their own. They thing. have their own they language. Have their own thing that they came up with. Yeah. Um, which business is getting you excited at the moment, apart from your own business? I would have said AgroCenter. <laughs> yeah, well, so, which business? Is, are another business is getting you excited apart from AgroCenter. Honestly, I don't know. You know, we interacting enough with uh, the ecosystem. We are interacting, but none is getting me excited, to be honest, yes. How do you see the Ghanaian ecosystem? And what's your view uh, generally? So is this an open-ended question? What's your view of the Ghanaian technology startup ecosystem? It used to be bad. It's it's getting much better now um, over the past two years, the, the past two years, yes. A lot more guys are going into entrepreneurship and a lot more people are now willing to start their businesses as opposed to working for somebody, which is good. But then again, I think we are celebrating mediocrity too much. So guys don't really try to do things properly. So you're celebrating me- mediocrity. So people yeah. come up with something just just small. And, Half-baked and, just, and just so okay, excited yeah, about it. Yeah. That could be an indication of the of the stage of the ecosystem, by the way, that, okay, actually we're doing something and then let's encourage more people to do stuff rather than trying to compare them with Silicon Valley, London, yeah. or even Nigeria. Yes, the ecosystem can be young, but mediocrity is mediocrity. Now, if, if I'm launching a product with one feature, it has to be such that it has to be done properly end to end. So that is somehow missing. Like we, we don't... We have user interfaces that are not spot on, that can compete internationally, that are not too appealing. So we are getting there, but I think we need to put in a lot more effort in ensuring that our standards are so high instead of just being okay with a few things that we do, yeah. What about the funding aspect of it? Are there more people coming now 
to invest and, and do risky venture investment? Well, I will talk from the point standpoint of AgroCenter. Um, we've had about six investors approaching us who are interested. So I'd say, yes, a lot of eyes are on Africa at the moment. And again, which goes back to my point of mediocre. They notice those who are doing it properly and they do a lot of due diligence before they even engage you. So if you're not doing it properly, they might just skip you. So for us, yes, we've made it a point to excel in what we do and we've attracted a lot of eyes and investors who have engaged with us. We recently won uh, Fincluders. I don't know if you heard about Fincluders in Jordan. It was a challenge. Uh, yeah. What did you get from that? $20,000. and uh, Free money or invest? Or no, invest free money. Free money. Prize money. I was about to ask, are you also applying to accelerator programs? No. We were in an accelerator with Superholics in Dubai. So um, I think we learned a lot from that accelerator. So we really don't want to go back into an accelerator now. Even the best ones and top ones that can give you access to a capital. No. Because you just mentioned that you need access to capital. Yeah. One of the key things accelerator does is to give you that, that access to the investors. Yes. But um, a lot of our, our work is on the ground in the northern region, which we don't want to get away from. We want to rather be in there doing the work than being stuck. So how do you want to raise money? We have a partner. Um, if you look at our website, we have a partner called Green Tech Capital. They are in charge of um, helping us raise funds. Are they investors or invest investment advisory services? They invested in us. They, they gave us some seed money but they are more into helping startups raise funds. That's interesting. Really interesting. I can see a lot more people on your website who are also working with you and advising you. How big is your team? Pretty much. It's me, Francis. Just the two of you on ground in Mm -hmm. Ghana? So just me and him. And then we have the agents who are working with the farmers. That's 30 of them. Then we have um, two regional managers. So pretty much that's it. It's good. I really enjoyed talking to you. Understanding your business, I think you're solving a good problem, a massive one. And I think it can be a huge business and helping lots of farmers, giving them access to capital, giving them access to market and and using technology to make it work uh, in a better and more efficient way. So thank you for coming to Building the Future. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T H E S T A R T A and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.